You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. So what a crazy weekend in Mets baseball. The Mets sweep their first series since the end of May, yet I don't even know if I'll have time to talk about them beating the Pittsburgh Pirates because we see a shocking trade when it comes to starting pitching, and it was not the Mets sending starting pitching out. It was them acquiring one of the top starters on the market when they made a deal on Sunday to acquire Marcus Stroman. So the podcast today is really going to be focused on that trade. I'm going to focus on the specific details of the deal in the first half of the podcast and then kind of talk about where the Mets go from here after acquiring Stroman in the second half. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. Also, you can find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizedOnline.com, a great site for you to check out covering all things New York Mets. Support of Locked On Mets comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with promo code LOCKEDON. All right, so before we get into the Marcus Stroman stuff, I'm just going to do a real quick overview of the Mets series this weekend against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Friday night, we saw the return of Zach Wheeler off the IL. He ended up looking pretty good, went five and a third, gave up six hits, did not walk any batters, allowed three runs, but struck out seven. So it was a pretty good outing by Wheeler. He was throwing hard. He proved he was healthy ahead of the deadline. We'll talk about him a little bit later on, but... I think he did all you could have asked. And the Mets ultimately win on the strength of a three-run homer by Jeff McNeil, a home run by Todd Frazier, and a pair of home runs by Pete Alonso and Wilson Ramos. So that was how the Mets won on Friday. Saturday, Steven Matz was absolutely spectacular. Might have been his best game in his Mets career. Probably was. Uh, it goes a complete game shutout. First time he's ever done that. Um, first time he's ever even pitched in the ninth inning. Allowed five hits, didn't walk a batter. He was really economical. Only threw 99 pitches to make his way through the entire game and struck out seven. Offensively, Michael Conforto hit a home run and J.D. Davis hit a two-run homer. And so that was how the Mets won 3-0 on Saturday. Sunday was really a sloppy game. The Mets put up six runs in the first inning. They end up winning 8-7. to Both teams were kicking the ball around a little bit. So yeah, it was... Definitely a really sloppy game. The Mets came out on top, and they secured, again, their first sweep since the end of May. Because of that sweep, the Mets currently sit six games out of the wild card. Again, I'll talk about that a little bit later as we talk about Marcus Stroman's impact on the Mets this year and beyond. But let's focus on the trade, because I haven't even gotten into the details of that yet. 
All right, so the Mets sent pitching prospects Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson in exchange for Stroman in cash considerations. Now, I think a lot of you probably processed this trade the same way I did, where I saw that Stroman had been acquired first, and then you were kind of waiting on the edge of your seat to see the prospects. And I really do think that almost any name that was included in this trade, it was going to be perceived as a bad move by Mets fans because they're so... You know, upset at this front office, upset at Brody Van Wagenen for the moves he made in the offseason, and there's just no trust there. So you didn't want to see any names you knew, and then Anthony Kay ends up being included in this deal, and he is the guy that was supposed to be slotted into the next rotation next out of the minor leagues. We thought we might see him this year. He had such a great start in A, and so I think I talked about Kay a lot this year, so I think there's a lot of people that know Anthony Kay and were sad to see him go, which is fair. Simeon Woods Richardson, if you're more plugged into kind of the lower levels of the farm system, he's really highly regarded. He was considered one of the Mets' up-and-coming, really promising pitching prospects. A big guy who throws really hard, can pound the strike zone. People thought that he could develop into a front-of-the-line starting pitcher as well. And so before I get into my thoughts on these guys, I pulled some stuff from Baseball America when they were talking about this trade. So you can kind of see a fully objective opinion on these guys that's outside of the Mets-centric view. And with Anthony Kay, here's what they say. They say Kay's arsenal is that of a mid-rotation starter or better, but his control and command are inconsistent and make him a future back-end starter in the eyes of most evaluators. He is nearly major league ready and could make his debut this year. For Woods Richardson, they say his four-seam fastball reaches 95-96. His cutter sits at 92, giving him two hard offerings to front his four-pitch mix. His 12-6 breaking ball has hard downward action and shows the potential to be an impact pitch, and his changeup flashes average. Woods Richardson struggles leaving the ball up and gets hit as a result sometimes, but evaluators feel he can be an impact starter once he learns to work the edge of the strike zone. He earns wide praise for his fearlessness, bulldog mentality on the mound, and aggressiveness in attacking hitters. So, he is a real project. Okay, The Mets would have to develop that kid. And you look at Anthony Kay, and to me, I see Anthony Kay, and it's really easy to compare him to Stephen Matz. Both kids from Stony Brook, local guys, had arm injuries, left-handed. There's a lot of comparisons there. I think Steven Matz was more widely considered as a top prospect than Anthony Kay. But still, just to compare the two. And so, right now you're looking at Steven Matz and there's been injuries and inconsistency. But that there's no given there that Matz is ever going to be you know, the, the number three starter that we've always expected him to develop into. And so to think that the Mets really traded something Anthony Kay that's a concrete number three starter in your rotation... It's just not true. So sometimes guys like that, I mean, Anthony Kay has more value than Steven Matz right now maybe on the market because he's a prospect, team control, all of that. But you don't know what that guy's going to develop into. And you have scouts and talent evaluators, as I just read from Baseball America, that don't see him reaching that ceiling, that see him as fourth or fifth starter. And so with that in mind, what did you give up? I mean, he's good, but again... I think the biggest problem with this trade and with the way people might be perceiving it is the fact that these two guys are coming out of a Mets farm system that's really weak. I mean, Baseball America had him, what, I think it was 
26th or 28th in their latest rankings of farm systems. One of the worst in baseball. So, you know, number four and number six prospect as Kay and Richardson were respectively in the Mets system, That's they wouldn't be that for the Yankees. For the Yankees, who knows where they slot in. And so you could have had the same exact trade package, but it looks a lot different if it's coming from the Yankees and it's, say, I don't know, the number 15 and, and 21 prospect. Who knows what it would have been, but it surely wouldn't have been two top 10 prospects coming out of the Yankees system. And so with that in mind, I think people can overreact a little bit and get a little bit too emotionally attached to prospects. Now, with that being said, there's also a definite case of how this does not work out for the Mets. You have Marcus Stroman now for a year and a half. He has been a little bit inconsistent throughout his career as well. You could say he's a solid number two starter, but there's been times where he's pitched a lot worse than that, and you'll only have him under your control for the next, what, 18 months. And so if you don't sign him to an extension, you're still trading two players that could down the road be good for you for multiple years if everything breaks right. But that's a big if for everything to break right. And right now what Marcus Stroman gives you is a very good starting pitcher in your 2020 rotation. You know, Cut and dry, plain and simple, that's what they got right here. They want to win in 2020, and they now have for sure concrete Jacob deGrom and Marcus Stroman. You could put Steven Matz in that mix as well because there's been you know no interest on the market for him. He'll, he'll be in the rotation. So that's that's three. Jason Vargas, if they decide to pick up that option, now you got four. So now all of a sudden, your two guys, Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard, are even more expendable. And so that's what I'm going to talk about in the second half a little bit as we get into what this means for the Mets moving forward. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bombas purchase, they donate a pair to someone in need. Find out more about what feet daydream about at bombas.com. Use Locked On today and get 20% off at bombas.com, again with the promo code Locked On. Alright, you are back listening to Locked On Mets, and now it's time Digging a little bit more on this Marcus Stroman discussion. Now, to me, the reason I really like this move, and it all comes down to execution. I think this is an incomplete trade because it all hinges on what comes next. We've been hearing this idea floated for a while, even if you want to go back to the offseason. This idea of trading for a player with more control and then trading some of the current players that you have to get more assets in return. So if you look at Marcus Stroman as the replacement for Zach Wheeler, extra year control, that solidifies your rotation in 2020. Now Zach Wheeler is really expendable because if you hang on to Syndergaard, you hang on to Vargas, your rotation is now set for next year, and there's no room for Zach Wheeler in it. He's on the expiring contract. Now you can really move him. But what this really does is it is cornering the market for starting pitching. There's been guys that are out there that we thought were going to get moved, and now we don't know. Trevor Bauer, his name has been floated a lot. The Indians are right in the thick of a wild card race, and really they still have a great chance to win their division. So to trade one of your best pitchers, I just don't know if I see them doing that. Now, he had a blow-up today that if you want to go online and see a funny video of the guy 
getting super pissed off and throwing a ball over the center field wall. That's a, a good thing for you guys to check out. But again, I don't know if he's going anywhere. Madison Bumgarner, another guy, was supposed to be on the move. The Giants have put themselves back into the wild card race, and it looks like they're going to ride it out. So now he is probably not on the move. And so we were examining the market. Marcus Stroman was the clear guy that was out there that was another option for teams looking for a frontline starting pitcher. The Mets just traded for him. Now you pull him off the market. All of a sudden, in a way, you're raising the value of Noah Syndergaard. You're raising the value of Zach Wheeler. You're basically saying now you got the two best starting pitchers on the market. If the Mets can execute these deals, all of a sudden this really works. If the Mets can find a way now to trade Noah Syndergaard and even Zach Wheeler, trade both of them, and get a ton of prospects back, I think it's a slam dunk. If you're able to move one or the other and, again, get a pretty good return of prospects, it could continue to be a slam dunk because if the Mets get something comparable for Zach Wheeler than what they just gave up, well, now you add an extra year of control and you still have Syndergaard, your rotation is really set. If you decide now to trade Noah Syndergaard, again, you thought you were losing Wheeler anyway, he slots into Syndergaard's spot at the top of your rotation, and you could bring in a haul of prospects back. Or if you want to still consider bringing Zach Wheeler back, maybe it's you're offering him a qualifying offer and he accepts that. Whatever ends up happening there, again, you're covered to trade one of these two guys. Now here's the other thing I want to talk about. And that's the fact that Brody Van Wagenen is, his mantra, he's a riverboat gambler. He is win, win, win. I'm going to look at my hand and do whatever I can to advance this team really past our means in some ways. Like that was the idea behind the Edwin Diaz trade. He needed to get a reliever. He didn't have money to really invest into the bullpen. So by assuming a Robinson Cano contract, giving prospects back, he was able to, in theory, get a closer and a middle-of-the-rotation bat in Cano. That didn't work, and that's where gambling, your future, can really come back and bite you. But in the draft, that gambling mentality netted the Mets Matthew Allen in the third round when no one expected them to get him. And so maybe that gambling mantra works out here. And maybe the Mets just brought in a pitcher that's going to solidify the rotation and they're going to flip Wheeler and Syndergaard or one or the other, get a huge return of prospects. And at the end of it all, you're going to look at Brody a little bit differently and say, you know what, that might have been a good call. Another thing to think about when it comes to his gambling and what I just mentioned with Matthew Allen is the fact that the Mets were able to get Matthew Allen. It makes a pitching prospect like Simeon Woods Richardson a lot more expendable. They also drafted Josh Wolf in the second round, another high school pitching prospect with that potential to be a top of the rotation guy in the future. So in a way, Simeon Woods Richardson represented a little bit of a position of depth in a really weak farm system. The Mets have arms. Thomas Abak is another one that are in the lower levels of the minor leagues that are projected to turn into something. So yes, you give up one of them, but... Those guys, you don't know which one's going to pan out. And so you're going to focus your development on the other ones in your system. 
and hope that the guys that the Mets just drafted, that obviously Brody's going to like a little bit more than someone who was drafted by a past regime, hopefully they're the right guys and they blossom into something. But again, I think what you gave up, I don't believe that the package was outlandish. I really don't. I think around baseball, there was other teams out there that by the deadline, I believe, would have gotten something close to this package. Like they would have traded something close to this to the Blue Jays. Maybe the Mets overpaid slightly to get this deal done early, but that's why you can't call it a complete package because they now have created more leverage for themselves and they've given themselves a solid, you know, what, 60-something hours here (laughs) to figure it out and figure out what they want to do. I mean, if you want to, Stroman slotted a pitch on Tuesday, the same day as Syndergaard. Don't even have to throw Syndergaard out there now if you don't want to risk injury. And, uh, you know, you could put him out in the market and see what you get. So, again, I, I it's hard to really dive too deep into this until we kind of see this vision through the deadline. Because I think this is the first step of a lot more moves to come. Now, one thing I hope is not factoring into this decision to acquire Stroman is the fact that the Mets have been playing some good baseball out of the break and they just swept the Pirates. Because... If this was strictly a win now 2019 move, then I don't know what's going on out there. I don't know what the thought process is because what team have they played since coming out of this break that you've been really impressed with? The Minnesota Twins were the best team that they've faced, but they've been playing 500 baseball for some time now. And if you remember that series, they did not put together a good effort. They gave the Mets some runs defensively. It was a weak series by them. They played the Marlins. They've played, you know, they just played the Pirates. The Padres haven't played well. They played them. The Giants are the only team that's playing well that they faced, and the Mets lost three to four against them in a series where if they simply could have scratched some runs, the Mets probably win at least two, maybe three of those games, and are maybe sitting four games out of the wild card right now instead of six. So. Just to bet on this team to win, I don't really like it. But again, I don't think that that was the goal here. And before I close out the show, I do want to spend a minute here just talking about Marcus Stroman, the pitcher, because we're talking a lot about what he means and the other people that are moving and the prospects. We're not necessarily talking about the guy the Mets just got. And I think Mets fans are going to fall in love with Marcus Stroman. Because for one thing, local kid, he tweeted out a picture of him in a Mets uh, jacket when he was a little kid, how it was meant to be. He's someone that I think is going to come to New York, be back home, really love it, really thrive under the bright lights. And I believe there's a potential here to sign him long-term. Beyond that, though, the pitcher they're getting for 2020. This year, he's having a good year, pitching to a 2.96 ERA, across 21 starts. Not striking out a ton of batters, 99 and 124 and two-thirds innings pitched. So a strikeout per nine rate of 7.1. So that's not bad by any means, but it's not, you know, what a Noah Syndergaard could produce. But, again, very solid top-of-the-rotation type pitcher. And I think the thing that really defines Marcus Stroman to me is he has a real alpha personality. And that is one of the rarer things to find in sports And that's why I think he'll thrive in New York City. He's so fun to watch. He attacks everyone. 
He's a short guy, five foot seven. I think it gives him kind of that Napoleon complex. He's always trying to prove people wrong. Complete swagger out there. He's someone who, at times, you almost feel like he can pitch above his stuff because just that intensity, that energy, that alpha comes out. He's a bulldog out there. And I really do believe he is going to slot really nice in the Mets rotation behind Jacob deGrom. And maybe for years to come. We don't know. But I think what's getting lost in this a little bit is the fact that this guy is a really good pitcher. He's had his ups and downs. Last year, namely, was not good in 2018. 5-5-4 ERA, 19 starts. But his fifth that year was 3.91. So he experienced some bad luck. And one last thing on him. I also think that you're going to see a little bit of a boost in his stats because you're going from the AL East to the NL East. And not only is that a designated hitter you have to navigate out there, it's also, think about the ballparks, just all BAM boxes across. Camden Yards, Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium, they're all just complete BAM boxes that people can easily hit home runs and everything else. Now he gets to pitch City Field. National League, no DH. I really do think that that can help his numbers a little bit as well. So, again, in summation, I think that the Mets made a trade here that, in my opinion, pretty fair value. You gave up some guys you liked, but you hope that some of that lower-level talent you have in the system will be okay to kind of get you by. Hopefully you make some trades to replace an Anthony K in the upper levels of the minor leagues. And we're going to see what happens as this deadline approaches and the deals finally come through. So a lot of great stuff throughout this week here with Lockdown Mets. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.